Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. As I always say right up front, if you're returning, thank you for returning. Welcome back. If you're new, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for checking us out. And if you like it, come back. So next time when I say welcome back, you will be the welcome back as well. Yay, let's get right into it. Today's episode is a personal story that I titled defying the odds. Now, if you've heard my other, you know, episodes, you've heard me talk before, you know, I'm big on words, right? Words create reality. Words create agreement in our world. So I just want to read you a definition of what it means to defy the odds. It means, in this case, they're talking about a man that he achieved something that was thought to be impossible or improbable or which other people believed he would fail. So one more time, he achieved something that was thought to be impossible or improbable or which other people believed he would fail. That's off the internet. That's where I got that. But that's a definition of defying the odds. And that's the, I believe, very appropriate name for this episode. So, seven years ago, our oldest son, Kai, who's now 14, so he was seven, was at a school, and at that school was singled out to be a child that supposedly had these symptoms of the disorder that we today know as ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. That's seven years ago. Seven years ago, our family embarked on this journey to really look deeper, to go down the rabbit hole and see what is this thing called ADHD. And if you know me well, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that every letter matters, every word matters, the agreement in our society matters, how something is seen, right? That's what started my rather... Uh, selective, picky, nitpicking kind of journey down that rabbit hole. So seven years ago, we decided not to medicate our son. That was pretty early on. But first, I'm going to tell you how we got there. Quick recap. We were called into the, not principal's office, but into the teacher's lounge or teacher's room and the principal and one of the teachers was were there. And they then proceeded to tell us that they've observed Kai and they've seen symptoms that they believe are signs of ADHD. That was the teacher's job. And I remember that uh, my boy's mom, Tatiana, got very emotional and started crying. And to this day, I remember the moment when the teacher looked at her and says, it's okay, it's okay, honey. You'll get used to it. And I was thinking to myself, used to what? And I'll get into that in a little bit. 
But that was the teacher's job. Then the principal took over, man with a beard, who said in his deep voice, well, the good news is that once you get him, you know, diagnosed, tested and diagnosed with ADHD, then you can give him medication and he can come right back to school like nothing ever happened. And he will sit still and he will perform. And it'll make everyone's life easier. And then he proceeded to say, because if you don't medicate your son, unfortunately, he's not going to get a, get the benefit of this school. A fair comment. But then he said, because if you don't medicate him, you know, you're going to mess up your son. He's not going to be able to graduate high school. He's going to become a druggie and a, a F up, a fuck up, and potentially go to jail. That's what happens to kids that are, un, you know, he said, undiagnosed and unmedicated. And I was just sitting there thinking, whoa, that is one heavy doomsday prediction to tell parents of a child that literally just was, you know, we were just called into an office of teacher and principal. This wasn't a psychiatrist. And the case or the, the, you could say the damage that our son had caused at that school wasn't any physical damage. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got punched. Nobody, you know, it was just, they just thought he was, couldn't sit still and couldn't pay attention. And therefore they, you know, decided to tell us that A, they think he has ADHD and B, that unless he's medicated, he's not going to turn out. And hey, parents listening, that is our main concern. And please email me if that's not, but I want to know. Email me anyway with questions, with ideas for episodes, you know, just go to our website, ADHDsover.com, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks to countless many of you who've done that, who've emailed, who've signed up, who've downloaded our PDF, the ADHD Diagnosis Survival Guide, people I'm coaching that have met me through the podcast and the website. I appreciate you. Quick side note, side plug. But anyway, back to the story. So... I want to know, right, parents, for us, the biggest concern is, is our child going to be able to function, aka turn out and live a good life, aka be successful in this world, right? That's our biggest concern because at some point we're going to die and they're going to be left behind, at least that's what it feels like, left to their own devices to live their adult life, right? So that's our biggest concern. Is my son or my daughter, are they going to turn out? And this story I'm going to tell you here is exactly about that. And look, there's no one size fits all. So my story isn't necessarily going to be your story, but I've now heard more stories like ours. And so it is my duty to share our story with you, other parents listening that are concerned that if they don't medicate their children, that their children might not turn out. So seven years ago, after hearing this doomsday prophecy from the principal of the school that our son was at at the time, I decided to trust my gut, my intuition. And I said to myself, something is doesn't sound right, doesn't feel right. I'm going to research. I'm going to look into this. And I even, I might've even in my rebellious sort of way said, I'm going to prove them wrong. Well, that was seven years ago. Today I can say 
I did prove them wrong. Today I can say without righteousness, because it's really not about proving them wrong. It's really about hearing the constraint that other people place on us by saying, well, that's not possible, or this is how that's going to go, and this is how it's normally done, this is how that is, and then go out and defy the odds, right? So, that's why I called it defying the odds. Our son started high school this past year, and it was a school that he chose, and it was also his choice to turn down an IED. In his school, it's called differently. I think it's a learning resource center, something like that, where children with the so-called disorders or on the spectrum are given extra support. And we offered it to him just to have it. And he said, no. He said, mom, dad, I went there for a couple days. I checked it out. And what I noticed is that kids have a lot of excuses and some of them seem even lazy. This is a 14 year old talking, right? This is not us saying people with ADHD are lazy. That's a whole stigma that, you know, we've done episodes around. Uh, That's not true. People who struggle with these behaviors that we label as ADHD are not lazy. Just want to say that. But you know, in his 14 year old words, he said, there's a lot of kids with excuses and they're lazy and they don't get their homework done and they don't care. I don't want to be there. We're like, wow. Okay. Amazing. Sounds good. In the back of our minds, we're thinking, well, you know, when your grades tank and, you know, the teachers tell us that you're not paying attention and so forth, then we may have to revisit that, right? But let's do a semester. Let's do the first semester. So I just want to be clear. We are one semester in. This is not the end of high school. This is not the, oh, our son has now graduated high school, so we defied the odds. I have no doubt that that, that's going to happen because of what I'm about to share. Throughout this semester, their mother and I never pushed them, never breathed down his neck, never helicoptered and said, you got to do this homework and you got to get a good grade and you got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. We always just said, look, do you have homework? Yes. Okay. Get it done right after you come home from school. Get support. There's study groups. There's the ability to go in earlier before a test and talk to a teacher and ask questions. And he did that every time before every test. And he joined the study groups and he came home after, after school. And I would say 95% of the time he did the homework right away. We never said another word. This semester, when it, when the school year, the, the year finished, the semester finished, we sort of were just waiting for the grades and thought, well, let's see what it's going to be. Anything will be okay. Anything will be okay. We're not going to react with anger, disappointment, Uh, you know, any of the judgment or repercussions or consequences and so forth. We're just going to look at it as in like, okay, you did what you did. Here's what you got. Where do you want to go now? And a few days ago, we got the grades and some feedback from the teachers. And I'm happy to report that he had half A's and half B's, some B pluses, some A pluses, but you get the picture. 
and this is not a only a proud father moment, but this is also a proud researcher and, and, and starter of the ADHD's over movement moment because the doomsday prediction that this principle late out in front of us is simply not the reality. Now, to his defense, bless his heart, he probably came from a mainstream kind of news listening, mainstream articles reading, rehashing and sort of uh, passing on the old myths around ADHD. So I get that. The point I would like to make is that whenever a principal or a teacher or even a psychologist or a psychiatrist makes you feel like you're doomed or your child is broken for life or they have to be dependent on medication for life or they're not going to turn out or that this is truly a disorder in the brain caused by you know chemical imbalance or it's genetic any of those incomplete and essentially untrue myths when you hear them i need you well i can't say need you i would love for you to trust your intuition on that because we did i remember really thinking in that moment, what do I feel? What am I getting here or not getting? Does that feel right? Does it feel like the truth, knowing my son and knowing that he's only seven at the time, right? A lot will change. Brains rewire, especially from seven to 14, from 14 to 18. You know, they rewire into old age. It's been proven. Neuroscience has proven that, and yet we act often in these cases around mental disorders, like, yeah, that's it for life. You're, it's predetermined. Nothing you can do. Well, no, there's one thing you can do. You can take medication. The pill will fix it. Also not true. Also not true. There's studies that show that after five years of medication, mostly, they show you the results of the two-year study, not the five-year one. The two years, like, oh, yeah, improved focus and productivity. In five years, there's no academic improvement. And there's no ADHD is handled kind of results because of medication. So that's a side note. Today, I'm here to say our son has defied the odds. And guess what? When we told him, wow, we're really proud of you for these grades, and we said, we would, proud, we would be proud of you had you gotten any grades because you chose the school. You went there and you wanted to do the first semester on your own. And we would have suggested support if you needed it, if the grades were, say, C's and, you know, or F's or, you know, just lower grades, right? But he looked at us and he said, well, I can do better next semester. I will do better next semester. And again, we were like, Wow. This is cool. And again, I said, and you don't have to do it for yourself. You don't have to do it for us, for the teachers, for anything. Do it for yourself. And he goes, I know that's what I'm doing. I'm going to do better. And again, this is a child that seven years ago was told, we were told that he wasn't going to turn out unless we medicated him. And I am so grateful that I listened to my intuition that their mother listened to her intuition, that we both decided together that we were not going to medicate. And so we left that school and we went to a different school that was more open, less pressure, less academic pressure, more play, 
child-led, so the children could choose what they wanted to learn, what they wanted to do. And there was no grades and no homework. And we gave both of our sons, actually, that type of education for, I believe, four years until Kai had to go to high school. Four or five years. And so the moral of the story is this. Trust your intuition. Trust your gut feeling. If you have to switch schools, don't worry. We've done it several times. And it's okay. If it's not right, it's not right. Don't worry about quote unquote, and we hear this often, you're going to mess up your child if you switch schools too many times. No, you're not. That is not true. Yes, it takes time for them to adjust again to new friends in a new environment, but they're children. They, they will adjust. And yes, don't change schools every six months. You know, that's a different story. But do not give up while looking to find the right fit of school for your child. It is so important because they will spend, you know, more waking hours at that school per day than they spend with you. If you do the calculations, right, you take your way to sleep, uh, you know, you'll see that you spend maybe half the amount of time with them any given day, except for weekends and vacations, than they're at school. So it's very important that that environment is not, I should say, can't say not stressful, but the least stressful for them, that's the best fit in terms of their temperament or their personality or their uniqueness, right? And I know limited choices in our world in terms of education, our education system uh, has to change, will change. It's not going to be pretty when it happens, but it, we have to go through it. The old system has to crumble. Same thing in other areas of this world, like politics and you know capitalism and so forth. The old systems have to crumble before the new ones can be ushered in. But it's, it's coming. But in the meantime, you as the parent, trust your intuition. Find the right fit of school. It's so important. And if you can't, or if you've tried everything, and look, you're at wit's end, and you have two jobs, or you're a single parent, and you just can't, and you have to medicate for a while, we are not anti-medication, but use it as a band-aid while you do the work to limit your environment, the family environment, the home environment, limit the stress and limit the stress at school. The more you can do that for your child, the better. And I'm here again to say, if we can defy the odds, you can. I know many families who've done that, who've defied the odds. And here's the thing, thing, the reason why you don't hear about too many of these families or these children's that, you know, the, the, the parent where the parents turned down medication and chose not to medicate their children and then their children went on and, you know, let, lead successful lives is because after a while, those children are just not interested anymore to talk about ADHD because they don't identify with it. I've spoken to families where I'm like, oh my God, that's an amazing story. So you chose not to medicate and this happened and your son found the perfect career and now he just got married and he's an entrepreneur and he travels the world and I'd love to, can, can he be on the podcast? It's like, yeah, he doesn't want to. And we don't want to either. It's, it's, it's done. We're, he doesn't have ADHD. Never did. You know, they just are not interested. They've moved on. What you do hear more often is the families that say, well, um, thank God we medicated our child because if not, he wouldn't have graduated high school and college. And usually they're sort of like, these kids are like early college 
And then they continue doing Adderall and stuff in, 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 you know, colleges. And the follow-up would be more interesting. Like when they're 30 or 40, where are they now? And there is one study that attempted that with Ritalin. It was a 30-year study where um, Nadine Lambert at Stanford, was it Stanford, Berkeley? It's been a while since I mentioned this story, but um, don't quote me on the university, but you can look it up. Um, I think it's Berkeley. She did a 30-year study and followed um, over, I think, 300 children from like childhood into their, like for 30 years, right? So they were like in their seven, eight, they late 30s. She followed them. And contrary to what the mainstream narrative peddles, which is if you don't medicate your child, they will most likely become, you know, failures and druggies and go to jail. She actually, her study proved the opposite. It proved that when she followed these children, you know, for 30 years into their adulthood, that the children that were medicated actually were more likely to smoke and drink and do drugs and end up in jail. Now that's huge, massive. Unfortunately, that study never got officially published. Nadine had an accident and so it never was published. But that's besides the point. Her study made the point. And trust me, it brought a lot of upheaval and controversy into the, the world of psychiatry and psychology and ADHD, but it doesn't matter. You know, that study was done really well over 30 years. And it's the only study so far that's done that. So my point here again is that don't let the mainstream narrative through teachers and psychiatrists and psychologists tell you that if you don't medicate your child, that they will not turn out. You can defy the odds. It's going to take some time and it's going to take a lot of work. But here's the great side effects, which medications don't have great side effects. The great side effect of not medicating, not medicating your child and actually doing the work over time is that you, the parents, your life will transform. You will see things about yourself, your patterns, your unhealed traumas, your, you know, your parenting techniques and so forth. You will improve and transform yourself. Your life will improve. I always say this, that children who've been diagnosed with this so-called disorder ADHD are like the check engine lights of a family. They're telling us when it's time to look under the hood where something needs to be fixed so the engine can run again smoothly. The car can move again smoothly, right? So look at your child that way. Look at it as an opportunity. Instead of medicating and numbing that part, right? It's like, it's like putting a duct tape over your check engine light, right? In your speedometer. And just putting a little tape over and go like, yep, I don't see it now. There's no check engine light on here. That's what it is to medicate. A child is to put tape over the check engine light on the speedometer so you can't see it. So you're basically, basically avoiding the signs that point towards the unhealed traumas, the stressors that are created in the environment of a family that need processing healing and that will transform everyone's life in that family. That's the opportunity this is. That's the opportunity any so-called disaster, disorder, disease, all the disses, right? They're opportunities 
for us to transform ourselves. But if we suppress it or avoid it, right, or we check out from it, or we throw medication at it, that's when we actually rob ourselves of these amazing opportunities to create a life that is worth living. So this was all about defying the odds. If we can, you can. Our son sure defied the odds. He sure surprised us. Oh my God, he is a powerful, unique human being. And we've seen him go from where he was seven years ago, where supposedly he had these symptoms, right? These observed behaviors of ADHD to go from there to being a productive, successful high school student who loves his school and who loves doing the work, self-generated. That is defying the odds. And I wish that for your child. So if you have been listening as a parent with a child that has been diagnosed with ADHD or that you've been told that your child might have ADHD, I hope you'll listen to other episodes on this podcast. There's many, many, many good ones. Just go through and if the title grabs you, listen to it, even if it's just for five, 10 minutes, I promise you there's some nuggets in there. And I hope you got some nuggets here. And if you're interested to learn more about this movement, go to ADHDsover.com. You can download a free PDF called the ADHD Diagnosis Survival Guide. I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful document with lots of information and also it's interactive. There's links to podcast episodes and there's a super mix there, a little bit of a uh, kind of a melange of our best speakers. And if you're interested in ADHD coaching, which really is more about coaching the parents through this stage in their lives, I work with parents worldwide. I have clients in many countries that I do work on Zoom with. I do individual sessions. I offer discounted 10-pack sessions. And there is also a VIP package. VIP stands for Very Important Parent. And that's you. So if you're interested, go to ADHDsover.com. You'll see a pop-up around coaching. And just warning you, I'm sort of a one-man band right now. And uh, if... If, uh, you know, if there's any uh, uh, little kinks in the website, design-wise, functionality-wise, we're working on all that. So, so bear with us. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Your attention is your most valuable commodity. And you've given it here generously. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. And until next time, have a great weekend. <laughs>